0: Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast.
1: All right, so you've been married a while and you hear this phrase, Honey, we need to talk. And your response to that statement is... Well, your response can either strengthen or sabotage your relationship to a degree. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Aaron Smalley, and today we're returning to a conversation that Jim Daly and I had with Dr. David Clark about saving your marriage from divorce. And Dr. Clark has some really helpful thoughts on confronting your spouse when
2: you notice a big problem in your relationship. David, welcome back to the program. Great to be back. Today, I want to talk about what you call being married to a stick. (laughs) What? Okay, now what's that? A stick is a person, could be the husband or the wife,
3: that really is not into the marriage. Not going to change. They are happy with a very low level of intimacy. I mean, real low. And they can live 40, 50,
2: 60 years in a marriage just like that. I want to, Now you're going to come after me on this. I want to be a little sympathetic to the stick, maybe because I got a little stick, you know, in me. What happens to a person who develops that kind of emotional disconnection? There's something else going on there. It's not like you grow up saying, I don't want to be connected. Is it trauma? Is it protection? What have they learned as a child or as a young adult that makes them a stick? Well, great question. It's a wound of some kind. That's
3: exactly right. And I, if I stay a stick, I never have to deal with that wound. It's a dad. I had a dad that that modeled being a stick. I learned from him. I saw him abuse and mistreat my mom forever. And so that's that's what I learned. That's what I know. And so it's not just modeling. That hurt me too. If I'm a boy in that kind of a situation growing up, that hurts me every day. To deal to and to cope, I've got to get a very hard veneer over me. I want to be married i want to have a marriage i have no idea what that's like and i want to be just like my dad so that's what happens now that could be the stick can be a good guy or it can be a bad guy the stick that's a good guy is when the wife comes to him and says we've got a problem i'm not happy uh, and and we need to make some changes a good guy will always listen to me always say oh some resistance but after that we'll will say you know what i love you you're right what do we have to do a bad guy will say no get out of my face you're wrong i'm right I'm not gonna make any changes, tough. Now that's a sinning guy.
2: And in part is that response because they are comfortable, too comfortable with who they are. Oh yeah, they don't wanna make any changes. Right. I'm
3: fine just the way I am, thank you very much. What you're asking of me would not only be way outside my comfort zone, but it's gonna get, you don't say this, it's gonna get me close to my wound, it's gonna get me into my wound. Right. I'm not doing that.
2: Okay, now, so but, let's go to it. Um, so you're married to the stick you want changes, you want more intimacy, you don't want a roommate. Um, So this is that second phase that we talked about last time. Uh, One spouse wants change, the other spouse doesn't. We also spoke about both spouses wanting change last time. So this is the other side of that coin. What does the person, the wounded spouse, begin to do to confront this? Well, what you don't do
3: is follow the typical and very traditional Christian approach which is keep on loving him. If you love that guy who's a stick for 30 days, I've, I've heard 60 days, I've heard five or six months, you meet needs, you don't make an issue out of anything, he's going to turn around
2: miraculously and start loving you. That's the dumbest thing anybody ever said. It's not true. It's never been true. Okay, To the believer in that, though, you're saying I've seen thousands of couples that have tried that. It's never worked. It's literally never worked. If you've got a stick,
3: now, that works with a really great guy who's in the first category. We're not in the first category anymore. Right. That guy will We're respond to that. We both want to
2: work something
3: right. out. That works like a charm, but it's also applied to the stick, and that even a good stick will not respond to that. Huh. He, you keep loving me, I'm, even if I'm a good stick, if you keep loving me, I think you're fine. I have no reason to change. You've not gotten my attention. So what's confrontation look like from the healthy person? You set a meeting, and it's a very serious come-to-Jesus meeting with your stick, who's a a husband. could be the wife. That's a husband in this case. Um, Honey, in three days, we're going to have a very serious meeting about our marriage, and uh, the kids are going to be out of the home. We're going to sit down. I'm going to make a presentation, and I want you to think and pray before the meeting. So will I. That will get the man's attention. Hopefully, if it's a good stick, he'll respond, but we're we're edging into he's not a good guy, but we're going to give him an opportunity. He'll say, I want to talk about it right now, or I'm not going to talk at all. It's going to be three days. And it's a one-way conversation uh, when you do sit down and it's, I'm going to make a presentation of five, 10 minutes. I'm going to speak the truth about our marriage and I don't want any response because what you're going to get is defensiveness and I can't believe you're saying this and all that stuff. Forget it. I'm going to say, you're not even going to entertain the response. If he interrupts you, you're going to walk away and give him a note that says the same thing. You're not going to have a dialogue. Because he'll give the same dumb response he's always given, and you're sick of hearing that, and you should be, frankly. So I'm unhappy in our marriage. Here's why. I'm part of the problem, too. I'm not saying I'm not. I, let's go through a series of steps and I don't want a divorce, for example, that, that is going to turn our marriage around. I'm asking you to think and pray about that. I am not happy. You don't use the words I love you in that first meeting because huh. if he hears that, you're done. I think I'm okay. She loves me. It's always going to hear. So he hears nothing else. Boom, exactly. So after 30 years, you figure some things out. So plus I'm a guy. So you, you lay it on him and literally you get up and you walk away. Hmm. You're asking for a response mm, within the next week. If he's a good stick, it won't take him a week. It'll take him thirty minutes. It'll take him twenty five seconds. He'll be following you down the hallway. If he does not respond or responds in a very negative way, now we
2: know we've got a serious sinner on our, in our on our hands. He's not gonna change. Now this sounds a like Matthew eighteen, is that the basic biblical principle you're yes, applying here? That's exactly. I And what's I apply. The, what's the
1: sin you're seeing here?
2: Just I don't want to change that. I don't remember that being
1: listed. Just, uh, lack of connection, right? Yeah, mm. it's any anything short of loving your
3: wife as Christ loved the church is, in my book, a sin. Mm. Now, it's not a sin if you get the guy's attention. First phase or first category we talked about. If he changes right away and there's repentance, we're done. We're going to move on. We're going to build a new marriage together. But if I resist you on that, I am in serious sin. I'm attacking the most precious institution God ever created on the earth, and that's marriage. That puts me in a serious sinful position. And it gets, it edges into abuse and really harming the wife. So no, that's a whole different category. You've got the Bible says you're going to confront sin. So I apply that passage. Matthew eighteen fifteen through seventeen to the marital situation. Not many people do. I do, and I've seen
2: it work. Well, it's interesting too, and I want to clarify that. You're, you, we're going to the third category is the the big whoppers. Whether that's infidelity, and you'll fill in those blanks. But now you're talking about just neglect. That's what I'm hearing. Right, and, and
3: that is really just as serious in its own way. This guy's not having an affair. He's not gambling, but he's mistreating you. And it really falls into the category of emotional abuse. Now, we know it is if I tell you you're doing it and you don't care. Whoa. Okay, then I know you have no love for me. You're incredibly selfish. I'm never going to see
1: changes in you. I so appreciate Dr. David Clark. And um, he is such a straight shooter. He is so honest. You do not have to guess where you stand with him. And I hope that someone listening today has taken his exhortations to heart. Greg, this is a serious situation that a lot of couples find themselves in. Um, Besides what David mentioned about confronting your spouse, offer some encouragement to have godly friends in your corner who are going to help you walk through a tough situation.
4: Well, it's so important to remember that when problems hit, when we go through challenges, our sworn enemy, Satan, wants us alone and isolated. That's a big strategy of his. And that's why we find out later on from friends who end up divorced or maybe in big, big crisis that we we had no idea. Here, these are friends of ours. Here, we're close to these people. And they just, they wouldn't let anyone see into Mm. what was really going on. So we're just saying, absolutely agree with Dr. Clark. Don't remain alone or isolated. You need people.
0: Absolutely. You need people that are going to be with you to celebrate with you, Mm -hmm. but also to walk the hard, difficult times with you as well. And it's important for each of us to have the same sex friends in our life that can support us, encourage us, can listen without judgment towards our spouse. They can listen without taking up an offense about the spouse, but they're there to support, encourage, pray with you about marital issues. Granted, I think it's important. I always tell couples, it's important to agree upon who are these people. If I'm going to be talking about our marriage, I always say, focus on what you are feeling. Use I statements. But I always, I think it's important for Greg to agree that these are people he's comfortable with as well that it's not someone who he doesn't feel safe with, yeah, yeah. that that they're for your marriage, they're fighting with you for your marriage.
1: And I got a note from someone uh, some time ago that said, thank you for being there to help fight for our marriage because he was he was checking out, he was cashing out, he was thinking it's done. And we had a very honest conversation, which I said, no, it's not over. And and it's not like I'm the only voice you know, rooting for him, but he needs a group of people. Greg, is it harder for guys to do this or is it harder for wives to find the help they need in terms think, of supportive friends? I think in a general way, it's probably
4: harder for guys. You think about just the sheer volume of conversations every day in this country alone at coffee houses, at restaurants, over – you know, Bible study that, that women do, and they do a great job of talking about what's going on. And And it is harder for guys. I have a, a friend who came to me and just shared, here's what's going on. And what what's important is that I needed him to know that you can share what's going on in your marriage. And I know your wife. I'm not going to take offense of that. I know that there's two sides. And I needed him to know that just you can vent And I will not take that personally. I will not see your wife in a different way. But I'll be that guy that you can just vent to. And so it's important, maybe on the other side of this, as the person that's being confided in, to not then take up an offense against that mm. person's spouse that that's not when we're being helpful.
1: That's important. I wonder how many people would like to be, I mean, they, they wish they were the kind of friend that could help out in these situations, but it's so awkward. And I, I do know both people and I don't know what to say. I don't have any good counsel, so I'm just going to keep my distance. It's too awkward to be a part of that. What would you say to that?
0: You know what? I think the best thing you could say to that person is to let them know how you're feeling, that I'm I'm feeling awkward because I love you both, but I want to be with you and I want to walk with you. Can we talk about what that looks like? Mm-hmm. It's okay to set boundaries around what you can and cannot hear, knowing your heart and knowing what you are able to carry. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're if somebody tells you something that you're like, OK, they need to go to their spouse, then it's entering in and maybe it's bringing some somebody with you to to sit with that person and say, we really think you need to take that to your spouse mm-hmm. and, and being accountability for them yeah. and holding them up and, and praying for each other, supporting each other, fighting for that. I know for Greg, it is hard it's harder for him to make those relationships and to keep those relationships and keep investing. So I often will say, I have somebody I want you to meet.
4: (laughs) And so in essence... She she sets me up on play dates, is what she's saying.
0: (laughs) I do. Well... I'm I'm more the extrovert and I meet many people during the day. And if I meet someone who I think would be a great friend for Greg, I'll... I'll set up a lunch date for and you.
1: And you, again, I would just want to stress, you don't have to have the answers. If you know a couple struggling, what you need to do is surround them with the kind of affirmation, encouragement, and listening ear that we've heard uh, mm-hmm. Greg and Aaron describing today. There are times when you, you're not going to have an answer. You can point them to good Christian counseling. We have yes. plenty of resources here at Focus. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk just briefly about Hope Restored, our marriage intensives, in which... Couples really can find God doing miracles in their relationship. That's a great resource, Greg. It really
4: is. I mean, the couples who have been through Hope Restored, 80% of those couples are still together. Two years later, God's doing some amazing miracles because we've got incredibly trained, high-level Christian counselors Mm -hmm. who understand how to do this. And so if you're in crisis, if you guys are really feeling stuck, man, we'd love to walk with you through that crisis time in, I'm telling you, we, Aaron and I having led those before we we've just seen God do so many miracles.
1: And I was just traveling the other day and I was talking to a, a gentleman that works at a church. And he said, I did that. We, we went to the hope restored. Mm. I didn't really think we needed it, but Oh my goodness, it was so good. And, and I said, and I guess you're one of the 80 percenters who are still together. He said, yeah, we, we've been together about five years since we went and we are mm. happy. That's We're doing mm. well. So yeah. don't the think there's, ever a situation that God can't redeem and restore. And Hope Restored is certainly one of the most effective ways we know to take a broken marriage and bring it back to life. Um, Learn more about Hope Restored, uh, about Dr. David Clark's great book, I Don't Want a Divorce, which includes a lot of great information Mm -hmm. and insights, and how you can join our support team here at Focus on the Family so you can help marriages thrive in Christ you can find all those details in the show notes next time more from dr clark and for now on behalf of greg and aaron i'm john fuller and this has been the focus on the family marriage podcast